0: Welcome to the Quality Meat Scotland podcast. Industry updates and best practice to promote, support, develop and protect the Scottish red meat sector.
1: Hello and thank you very much for downloading this. I'm Mark Stephen. I'm going to start off with a wee bit of a history lesson here. I promise to keep it short. 10,000 years ago, we moved from being hunter-gatherers to settlers. Basically, we started to farm. That was the first agricultural revolution. The introduction of new crops and new methods in the 17th to 19th centuries was the second agricultural revolution, and the third came along with the use of even more intensive measures in the 1930s. Now, so far so good, but some people believe we're actually living through the fourth agricultural revolution already. What defines it, and are we ready for it? Joining me today are two people, they both work for SIUC, Dr Jan Connell is the Head of Department for Agriculture and Business Management. She also leads the Next Gen HN project, working with SQA to redesign the Higher National Agriculture course. Jan, thanks very much for taking the time to do this.
0: You're very welcome. Thank you for inviting me and my colleague
1: along. Uh, well, we'll get to your colleague just now then. Jeremy Taylor is a Programme Leader in the Department of Integrated Land Management he's also worked extensively in developing countries where he says new technologies were very often adopted more quickly than they are here that's one of the reasons SIUC set up its agricultural technology course Jeremy thank you to you too thank you for having me
2: Mark
1: start off with you Jan how are courses having to adapt at the moment
0: I guess a bit like what you said at the start um, you know the agricultural industry is going through lots of challenges and changes and it's nothing new it's been going on for for many many years but at the moment there is a number of challenges which um, you know i suppose are starting to creep up on us and and it's um whether it's climate change um, and and the various ramifications of that and looking at policies and having to focus on what our production systems now need to change and be more efficient Introduction of lots of new technologies to be more precise. So these sorts of challenges means that our courses and our, our, our students and employees within in the working environment need to have a slightly different skill set and need to be prepared for changes. And the other thing, actually, before we move on, is the other challenge that the sector has is a shortage in skilled labor. So the industry, you know, is, is challenging in terms of trying to attract individuals. And also retailing that talent within the industry so there's lots of challenges and lots of i suppose opportunities if you like for ourselves to, to start to um, answer and, and try to respond to that through through education through training um, so that we can provide individuals the opportunities to gain the skills that are appropriate and, and we might come on and talk a bit more about the specific skills that we're introducing but skills that are changing is skill set for individuals, which is technical but also kind of more broader and, and more personal as well. So, and it's trying to attract individuals and attract um, students who are maybe not from farming backgrounds who, who can see the opportunities and see the great variation of, of skills that they can acquire. And that's what we have been trying to do for a number of years, and we're just trying to, I suppose. Modify our courses and uh, ensure that the industries that you know is going to be um, satisfied with, with the, the, the graduates that, that come out so that they're suitably equipped.
1: I suspect you, you will be building on what Jan has just said, Jeremy. But give me an overview when we talk about the fourth revolution. What are we talking about?
2: I think we're talking about really flows of data that simply weren't available even 10 years ago. And it's raw computing power that's allowing us to gather an awful lot of data and move that data through a system and make it a useful, into something useful for the farm manager. So that's the, the fourth agricultural revolution is all about a data led farming process. And it's possible that we may be entering the fifth agricultural revolution, really, as data moves into artificial intelligence and we start assimilating and dealing with that data via with the computer doing some of the thinking process rather than us looking at some interface and making a management decision as a consequence of that information flow so within our agricultural technology program what we've we're we're, we're developing is is a graduate who's capable of looking at understanding what is being measured how that flow of data can be can be moved then how it can be assimilated acted upon and then finally possibly and it's only a small part of it possibly go and tell a robot to go off and do a certain job and it doesn't necessarily mean a robot of course it could be anything to be told to go off and do the job but it is data that's informed that decision
1: so again i'm looking for definitions here agricultural technology i mean in the past that might have been a seed drill i would imagine it's it's hugely varied nowadays
2: It is hugely varied, but again, we go back to that that flow of data that's moving through our system. And the data's always been there, it's just our capability of capturing that data and doing something useful with it. And that's what's changed, and computing power is really the thing that has allowed that to change. We've now got computers that are capable of dealing with these vast number of numbers that our sensors can produce and of assimilating that data into some sort of useful management tool. And that, that's the big difference. Previously, we had a, a diary sitting on our desk, and occasionally we'd look back through previous diaries and see what happened last year or the year before. Now we've got far more data to deal with, and as a consequence of that, we, we need to be able to understand how that data flows and then how to act upon it. And we need a graduate who's capable of understanding the flow and designing systems that allow that flow to happen so that they're useful to
0: the farmer.
1: So coming back to your original point, Jan, what new skills are being taught to make all this possible?
0: Yeah, so I suppose we need to think about carefully here that we're talking about two areas within agriculture and there is the, the agricultural graduate who now needs technical skills and that could be the very practical kind of technical area working on the farm but it also includes now the more digital kind of technology where they need to be able to operate and operate you know the the various precision technologies that are on the farm or on the machines or whatever so it's at an operational level that um, the general agriculture student would be involved if you are then going to talk about the agricultural technology kind of level course that's at a slightly different level where the student would be devising and, and you know, um, preparing the, the technology itself and collecting the data and understanding how to collect it and writing the programs, computers and, you know, the robotics and the mechatronics in order to allow that all to happen. So it's at a different level. We're talking an agriculture and operational level, whereas the agricultural technologist is more of a kind of computing and, and creating level, if you like. So different skill sets in the different courses, I suppose. So they need to know how to operate it and, and what to do with that data that they know that's been um, collected. And they're also, you know, very the other side of the equation for the, the kind of agricultural student and for all individuals in employment is the kind of the what's called the now meta skills, but they're the softer skills the kind of transferable qualities and traits, you might like to call them, within the individuals?
1: I was going to ask you about that because I'd come across that phrase, meta skills, and, and green skills come to that on the SRUC website, and I thought, I'm not sure what that means. So meta skills is you know basically what you might describe as soft skills, transferable skills, blah, blah, blah. Green skills...
0: Yeah, so um, the green skills really are, are trying to incorporate environmental aspects of all of our um, agricultural production systems. So it's what we're going to try to do is kind of make it more centered. As it has been there for quite some time, but it's been on the peripheral now, but like policy, and but everything else that's happening, we're trying to focus on those areas and put the the kind of the knowledge and the production systems around it so everything is based around that kind of environmental green area which is where the future of agricultural production is going so it's it's trying to change and a lot of it isn't new some of it is but it's a lot it's just changing the focus of the understanding and applying the knowledge in a slightly different way so yeah absolutely it's a change in direction in terms of of how we deliver things and getting students to think about things in a slightly different way.
1: There is a certain irony, I'm sure, in the fact that, you know, you know, people who've been born into digital technology are called digital natives, you know, and, and that's great, that's super. They seem to be able to put, you, know, you drop them down in front of any piece of equipment and they seem to understand instinctively how it works. However, their social skills, what you refer to as their meta skills, sometimes suffer as a consequence.
0: Yes, yes, indeed. And that, to be fair, um, does come through quite a lot. And to be fair, in the last few years, when uh, due to the COVID restrictions, within a learning environment, those things have become even more difficult because a lot of it has been more remote and individuals have been sitting at a screen and and trying to interact and it has been very challenging. COVID restrictions are reducing and so we're gonna go back to more face-to-face, but there is a blend of things. And that's the whole idea of getting the blend of using digital technologies which is very important nowadays but also being able to get individuals to work together face-to-face collaborate teamwork communicate you know lead all those sort of social intelligence is really very important we have been doing that in many courses for many years but it's trying to bring that to this the student's perspective to let them think about it more themselves and reflect on what they are doing and how they can develop themselves through all these opportunities that are given.
1: Jeremy, the the changes in these courses, the development of these courses, what's driving that? Is it academia, the various industries or just life?
2: I think it's this complete change in the way that we work and the way, more importantly, the way that we're going to have to work. To ensure the future profitability and the sustainability of our agricultural systems, we have to become more precise. and Precision is largely a consequence of gathering the correct numbers at the correct time and being able to assimilate and act upon the the information that flow that's coming to you. Speaking to students at the moment, it's a funny thing, but I I started lecturing about 10 years ago. And there's been a change in the students attitude towards technology, they're far more inclined to to use it. And the the thing that I often use as an example in the classroom is that um, you've got sitting in your pocket a small computer that's around about three or four million times more powerful The computer that sent the first man to the moon, which is well within my lifetime. And that has got the capability to do all sorts of things. And for example, we download a couple of apps and they look at normalized difference vegetation indexes on a field that they know, a field that they understand, and a field that they can walk into when they go home. And then they can relate what they see on that map on their phone to something that's happening in the field. Now, that might seem a rather small example, but that's them assimilating data that's given to them through an NDVI image with something that's real, that's happening on the field. And when they start to learn to combine those two things, they then have something that they can make management decisions upon and act upon. And it is that flow of data that makes the difference.
1: Let me take you back to something that I mentioned right at the beginning of this podcast. You have seen in developing countries that they, they, are, they were more willing to adopt new technologies than we were, which was, again, slightly ironic because very often we were the countries developing the technology in the first place. So is that changing now in your experience?
2: I think it is, yes. And I use the developing world example because quite often the infrastructure had either deteriorated or wasn't there in the first place. So the first point of call was the latest technology. Whereas here, there's infrastructure in place which doesn't necessarily lend itself to adoption of new technology. But nonetheless, I think there's an underestimation of the power of this technology within, our, within agriculture generally. And it's also a perception that it's a very expensive thing to do. Whereas it doesn't need to be. This data flow is there and it's freely available in many respects. Now, certainly if you download that small app and you look at your NDVI image, you're going to get a very low resolution image, but you'll still be able to relate it to something on the field. Once you start understanding that relationship, then you can start to pay for the higher resolution image, which will give you a better set of data. But it's that, it's that understanding of, of how data flows and how you can act upon that, the, the concept, that data. It must be an extraordinarily difficult thing
1: to do, Jan, because it, effectively it's, it's crystal ball gazing to a certain extent. You're in a constant state of flux. Things change all the time. Agriculture doesn't exist in isolation from, say, the world of politics or economics and things, things change. Brexit, for example. You know, And you're constantly trying to develop courses to meet challenges that are changing literally on a weekly basis.
0: Absolutely. And and we we are within limitations. We work with qualifications authorities and and, um, universities, etc. So courses can be quite difficult to change quickly. And so we need to be smart in how we I suppose, write our courses and we are being smarter now in terms of making them more flexible so we can adapt easily to changes so that it can be incorporated into the curriculum without too much difficulty. But on the other hand, the other thing that we need to be much quicker at and, and believe we will be is kind of upskilling. So for those who have graduated and are working in the workplace, these sort of changes that are coming along and new technologies that are being introduced it's about giving individuals confidence to use those technologies and so upskilling and giving people training courses out with you know the normal kind of qualifications but they're they're quick and they're um up to date and they're immediate and that's kind of where we are at the moment trying to start to deliver we have sruc has appointed someone just very recently, a, a month or so ago, as a vice principal, looking at skills and lifelong learning. And it is well recognized that you know, we need to be reactive and we need to be producing the skills in the workplace to upskill and to provide that instant reaction, really, to, to the industry. So that is one of the criteria that um, Mary Thompson will be certainly looking at, how we can deliver much more in CPD, and whatever upskilling is required within industries to to react to that quickly. So there's two ways of doing that, you know, so the the standard qualifications that we would offer, there's the basic understanding of principles, and then there's the application of the new technologies and the changes in in direction, et cetera, that need to be introduced. And then there's a specific CPD when you're in the workplace for whatever new criteria or new technologies that we can offer as well
1: give me a sense of the range of career opportunities for graduates
0: so yes huge range um and when you say graduates i guess you need to think about the level at which they graduate as to the career opportunities that they have so if we're talking about our lower level courses where there'd be nc and hnc which is much more at the operational level on farm and so they would be you know and there's again that's the kind of Skills level where um, there's great demand, and, and to be fair, students that are coming out of within Cs or HNCs have, have a great choice in terms of working on farms. Many farms looking for skilled workers in, in various enterprises, whether it be arable or livestock, etc. So, on that operational kind of level, if our students continue on it uh, within um, SRUC and continue on doing an HND course or a degree then those level of graduates have the opportunity to go in at more the kind of junior managers where they're looking at the management of farms. They can also go into the service industry within they into commercial companies and nutritionists, of which, again, there is a great demand for the cropping, the seeds, etc., sales, development, that type of area. And then there's obviously the, the, the bodies of, of Lantra QMS, Scottish Government, NFU, SRUC themselves, great demand for, for degree graduates at the kind of higher level job opportunities within the kind of service industry. So there, there are many, many opportunities. And, you know, our graduates are very fortunate in that they have a great choice at the moment as to where they want what they want to do and where they want to go.
1: How do people find out about this? I mean, I suppose to put it crudely, who is selling this to young people? Who's telling them, look, this exists, come and do it?
0: Yeah. And, and you know, the whole industry has responsibility really to market and recruit and promote within it. And and we do, you know, we, we try to work together through the schools, through Lantra, through our, ourselves, our own marketing people, QMS, etc. So we, we're all trying to promote and, you know, gain entrances, particularly at schools level, where individuals clearly they're starting to think about their career options and uh, that's one of the areas that we are trying to develop and and we are developing and going to launch in this coming year an MPA which is a national progression award at school level which is called investigating modern agriculture and that will allow individuals in the kind of senior phase of school to look at three units um, looking at kind of local agriculture agri-tech, precision farming and agri-tourism. So it's given them a flavor of what it's all about. And once they have that, then they could easily progress on. And, and, you know, we would be promoting and helping them to choose careers and, and qualifications and routes pathways to, you know, that's suitable to them. So, yeah, I mean, it is, it's a joined up effort really is needed. And there is a lot of joined up effort to promote agriculture as a career. Uh, appropriately through, you know, from schools level right up to um, to, to career changers as well, um, and people who want to come back into more, from a, a mature student to come back in into the industry.
1: When you have a situation like this, Jeremy, which is very fluid, very dynamic, it's exciting in a way, you know, and that's fantastic. But I can think of one downside. I remember talking to a forester in Norway who said that, you know, they, they had a 250 year, I think it was, planting plan. That's how far they planned ahead. Given how dynamic your field is, how far ahead can
2: you plan? Well, a long way is the answer. I mean, the 250-year timeline is still just as appropriate to a digitally driven system as it is to one that isn't. In fact, it may become even more important to understand precisely how land is behaving and how we can predict the future consequences of, for example, climate change, which we can build into models far more accurately than we we could have done 10 years ago to enable us to plan that 250 year horizon. So digital information flowing in improves the decision making process irrespective of the horizon that we're looking at really. And that applies to whether it's next week, next month, or that massive horizon that you've just spoken about. But it is that gathering of data that's the thing. And the other thing I'd just like to say after Jan was um, talking about recruits, I think that one of the thing with the, the agricultural technology program that we're offering, and we also intend to offer it as CPD in various guises, is that we're looking to recruit people who wouldn't have necessarily looked at agriculture as a potential career path, and we're more interested in computers and things, but suddenly can see how this revolution that our industry is undergoing can give them a, a rewarding and very exciting career path.
1: And whatever happens in 250 years time, people are still
2: going to need to eat. Absolutely. And the level of precision that we execute agriculture with will decide how sustainable is one of the deciders on how sustainable we are understanding precisely how much to put on making sure that it is what's required not in excess not in deficit and um, (coughs) that that precision is something that's become recently available to us farming by the square meter i'm just thinking of your opening remarks about the second agricultural revolution and i often open an ag tech program with a plowman behind his horse and he knew every square foot of that ground and as we mechanized that sort of perception, we, we began to look at things in fields or farms. And now with precision systems, we're bringing it back down and starting to look at the square meter. And in fact, if we uh, consider that some some companies are developing and have developed robots that can look at every plant, let alone every square meter, and decide what is a weed and what is what is a crop and deal with the weed. So. You can imagine the billions of data points involved but the, and the computing power and the technical ability that's needed to allow that to occur.
1: Oh, brave new world that has such technology in it. Jeremy and Jan, thank you both very much for your time.
0: Thank you very much.
2: Thank you very much, Mark. Thanks for being
1: No, I enjoyed that. It was really fascinating stuff. Thank you both. I, I hope listening to this, you have found this useful. Next week on the QMS podcast, we're going to be looking at education relating to agriculture from the employer's perspective. Until then, I'm Mark Stephen. Thanks for listening.
0: Thank you for listening to the Quality Meat Scotland podcast. For news and to listen back to previous episodes of the podcast, visit qmscotland.co.uk For Scotch beef, Scotch lamb and specially selected pork recipe videos and inspiration, visit www.scotchkitchen.com or follow Scotch Kitchen on Facebook, Instagram or Twitter.